I want us to look at, and, and I'm so proud of our graduates and all of our young people, but our graduates in particular, this is a milestone in your life. And you've learned a lot through the years. And one of the things I'm so thankful that our young people have learned is uh, they've learned at home, they've learned it in, in, in their families, um, is that there's an education that you can get, that, that only God can give you, that comes as you yield yourself to Christ as a, you know, as a piece of clay on a wheel, like a potter. And there are some things that, that you're going to learn in the world. Uh, you're going to learn vocations. You're going to learn all kinds of things. But there are some things that you will not get in the education that will, that will, that will be crucial to life, and it's life things that you deal with. And what you want to do is you want to, you want to get the essential things, you want to get those things right off the bat. You want to get the, the essential spiritual ingredients right off the bat. In other words, some things as life comes along will present themselves as preferences and options. And one of those things is like life will get real busy and your time will be crowded and your mind will be stressed and you're going you're gonna to say, you know what, I just don't know that I've got time to pray. I, I am just so busy. I'm just so covered up. And, you know, your job is going to, you're eventually going to get a job and it's going to be demanding. And life's going to hit you and it's going to hit you hard at times. And you're going to feel like that you are being swallowed up at times. Now, that's just the reality of it. Am I right? For anybody here over 30, say amen or something. Um, you know, I thought I thought when I graduated, man, it was going to be a piece of cake. And I did. I realized that after graduating with uh, high school and then with uh, with college, particularly, that the balance sheet that they taught me in accounting class just didn't work in life. That life didn't balance out like that, I, and that's one of the reasons I liked accounting because at the end of the month, at least you could do an adjusting entry. <laughs> you know. You can make something balance. And and life is, is just not that way. It, it's hard at times. So I, I want to I give you some stuff that I think that can help you. Not only can help you as graduates, but it can help us as parents and how you shape your family. Matter of fact, if I were a Christian young person here, if I were a young person at all, I'd be thinking, I want these little principles that pastors want to give you this morning. I want these integrated in my life. So that when I'm getting to the point of trying to figure out a mate and trying to figure out that realm of my life, because you're going you're gonna to go through some heartaches through that, that you didn't learn in class. You didn't have a class that, te that teaches you or taught you how to deal with a breakup or how to deal with heartaches or how to deal with, with difficulties or how to deal with, with, uh, with life relationships and all these other things. You didn't have that. It's just not a part of the curriculum in school, but it is a part of the curriculum of life. So you got to have some essential things. There are some essential things that you need and that I need. Matter of fact, if I were a grandparent here and I, I'm, I were praying for my grandkids, matter of fact, this is the prayer that I'm going to pray for my grandchildren. Um, 
This is the prayer that I prayed for my children. This is the prayer that, that I pray for our youth. This is the prayer I pray for our young people back here because you're going to be the next row graduating. It is, it is this prayer that can shape your life. It can shape your home. It can shape your family. It is this prayer that, that can, can shape your life in such a way that you see God as an integral part of all of it. Not just an option or a preference, but that He is indeed an essential ingredient to be shaped our lives in His will. I can't convince you of this, but if I could, I would say this, is that God has a plan for you that will blow your mind. It's far better than what you would have for yourself. I can tell you that my dreams and my aspirations and all the things that I had envisioned for myself at the age of 18, they all changed. And they changed with a calling. It changed with a, with a life that, that struggled with submitting to God. Why? Because I wanted God in the option route rather than the essential route. And I'm saying this, is that when God gets into the essential area of your life and you depend on Him and you trust Him and you look to Him, then all of a sudden He can begin to shape your life and your life will have more joy and more peace and more satisfaction than any preconceived path that you might take that you think would bring you happiness. That's why you pray through all of the decisions of your life, even the small ones. That's why prayer is not, is not a preference. It's more than a preference, and it's more than an option. It is an essential part of knowing and understanding the will of God. God has created you that you can bring glory to Him in His, in his world. And so here's what the Scripture says. This is something that the Reformers figured out some 400 years ago. They figured out this, this reality of that, that Martin Luther did as he nailed the 95 Thesis on the floor of Wittenberg, Germany. He says, basically, there's five essentials there that sola scriptura, these are all Latin, sola scriptura, that is the Bible alone, the Scripture alone, sola gratia, the grace alone, sola fide, by faith alone, sola Christus, of Christ alone, and sola deo gloria, for God's glory alone. And the reality, the reality of this is, is that our lives live for the glory of God because God says this about you. Now listen, listen very carefully. Because the greatest success that you can have in your life is, and is a life that is well-pleasing to God that is lived for His glory. It is lived for His glory. So, 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 laude, gloria, the, the glory of God alone. If that becomes your prayer, then I, I want to tell you something. It can become an essential part of your life and your spiritual life. Now, I want you to turn with me to the book of, of Colossians. That's a little book in the, old, in the New Testament, a little book. Paul's a writer. Paul's writing this. 
while he was in prison. This is a little, there was a little church in Colossae. And uh, there was all kinds of religion and all kinds of commerce and all kinds of things going on. It was a busy life in Colossae. And there was all kinds of different worldviews and different ways people looked at life and reality, et cetera, et cetera. You get the picture. And Paul gives, one of the things that just I find striking in Paul's writings is this. Is that Paul, kind of right in the middle of, of these letters, starts out in, he starts out, or but he, right in the middle of it, he just starts praying. He just kind of starts praying. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, that's kind of weird. I mean, we don't, we don't write a letter like that. I mean, how many times have you written a letter to somebody or maybe a text message, and in your text message or your letter that you're, you're writing, you say, okay, here's my prayer. Who, who does that? And, and for us, most of us, that kind of seems a little weird, don't you think? Huh? Do, does anybody here do that, by the way? Let's, let me see your hands. I'll, I'll go, oh, I got one. Amen. There is one person. Two, three. Okay, cool. You're getting something. Most people don't do it. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm going to, but I mean, we see this in Paul. You see it in Ephesians. You see it here in Colossians. Is that all of a sudden, right in the middle of life conversation. Now, get this. Right in the middle of writing a letter in life conversations, he starts, he says, okay, here's my prayer for you. And it's just natural. Matter of fact, I'm, I want to ask you this question, and I've asked it to young couples who are getting married, to encourage them to pray together. There used to be a statement out a long, long time ago, and I don't know who coined it, but it was real popular, and, um, and it was kind of one of those things that you hear as kind of like Christianese. Um, you know, it's the family that prays together. You all know it, don't you? I don't hear people saying that a whole lot anymore. I'm just going to tell you that life is going to get so busy, that life is going to be so crammed full with things and with things to do and even church activities and all kinds of other things that you are going to feel that like prayer is being crowded out of your life. I'm just saying it. I'm just saying you're going to have difficulty praying. Why, you're going to be too busy, your mind's going to be consumed with so many things, and, and then you're going to have troubles, and you're saying, man, I really need to pray about that. But, but I, I, want to, I want to ask you, what if prayer is not so weird? What if it's a, what if it's a normal thing that we do as believers, as, as people who are connected with God? What if, what if prayer is one of those essential things in the world that you can do almost anything in, and you can fill your life up with doing, Paul said that there was something more important, and that is being. I want you to notice here in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, and then we're going to look at in Colossians, and I'm going to give you five quick principles. In him who also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance and a view of the redemption of God's own possession. In other words, listen to what he's saying. He's saying, here's who you are. If you want to know what you are becoming, you get the being right. If you want to know what you can become in life and what you can become with God, you get the being right. You get in a relationship with God 
and you stay in fellowship with him and you stay connected in prayer and in his word. Why? Because that's how you shape a life for the glory of God. Notice here, this is what God says about you. It's nothing you did, nothing that you aspired to, nothing that you dreamed about. This is what God says to be true about you. And when you get your being right, then the becoming or doing falls into place. In other words, we focus life backwards. We focus on religion as something that we do. Well, I will do church. And I want to tell you, I have done church about in any kind of way that you want to do church. I've done religion in about any kind of way you want to do religion. And it's not in doing it. It's in who you are. And when who you are begins to begin connected with with what God says to be true about you, then the doing automatically just kind of falls into place. In other words, you will find when you get the, the doing in alignment with God, all of a sudden, all of a sudden your life will begin to be shaped by living a life that is satisfying and in the glory of God. To the glory of God. So you got to get that right. Because why? You are going to be, listen, just by the very fact that you have a phone today means that you can actually sit in church and check out. Right? How do I know that? Because there have been times that your pastor has what? Checked out. And I don't think that you're probably any different than me. The reality of our life is that as as our lives become bombarded with more and more information, more and more technologies, more and more things, it, it gives us a lot more options in our own life and we can... And we feel like that life is more and more in control or we're more and more in control of it. And that could be something farthest from the truth. What I'm saying is this. The the very essential things is, well, let me just ask you, how how many friends do you really have? Not how many friends you have on social media, but how many friends do you really have? I'm talking about people that really know you. I mean, it's it's easy to say, okay, yeah, they're my friend, they're my friend, they're my friend, and they're my friend, and they're my friend. But I'm talking about in relationship, there is a deep dive in relationships where you can be honest with people. And that comes with time, and that comes when there's no distractions, and that comes when you that comes with sitting out on a boat, doesn't it, Gene? And fishing. Yeah, you're doing something, you're fishing, but you're you're sitting and you're sharing life together. That, that, comes, that comes when you're dealing with, with, with life situations. So, so it's easy to say, okay, yeah, we've got all these things on a surface level and on a shallow level, but we never do a deep dive. And what I'm challenging us this morning here as families, as Christian families, as Christian young people, is to do a deep dive in a relationship with God. As the world says, no, you don't have time for it. No, there's all kinds of other options that you have on Sunday morning and Wednesday nights and all these other things. You don't necessarily need that. I don't really have time for that. And I'm saying that those things for a spiritual life and a life of being 
are essential. You hear me? I'm saying there are some essential things in life. And you've got to get the essential things right because the world says, oh, that's just an option. And you can say, well, it's just an option. I don't choose. And I get that. But for a life that is wanting and desiring to be lived for the glory of God, here's five things that I want you to notice that Paul prayed for. And I want you to look at this. Right in the middle of this little book of Colossians, he stops and prays. So we have not stopped praying, he said. For you, since the first we heard about you, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will and to give you spiritual understanding, spirit of, spiritual wisdom and understanding. Notice this. And then the way you will live will always honor and please the Lord. In other words, it will be sola de gloria. It will be for the glory of God. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. And all the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. In other words, you're going to be deep diving. And you're going to get to God, know God on deeper levels. You're going to see Him bring you through relationship heartaches. And you're going to see Him bring you through difficulties that you say, I don't see how, but He parted the sea for me. And I know that it was Him and Him alone that did that. You're going to see God at work in your life when you do that deep down. When you, and, and there are going to be times you're going to say, man, God, where are you? And you're going to find that God will be even be there in the silence. Why? Because He's God. He's God. And notice what he goes on to say. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all of his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need. Now, I did not have one class. I don't have one, didn't have one class that directly taught me how to be patient and endurance. But I had a lot of classes that I learned to be patient and enduring with. I, I did. I, 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 was, I was patient and enduring it through a lot. And uh, uh, I can remember some of my college classes. And notice here, may you be filled with joy. It, it's something that he prefaces this, this endurance and patience with being filled with joy. There, there's some crosses that you're going to bear and you will have to bear. They'll come your way. You didn't ask for them. It may come in the form of physical illness or sickness or or the death of a loved one or a friend or uh, the reality of some sort of heartache or hardship. And, and you're going to realize that you need, you need something more than, 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 than a degree. I figured that out and I've got plenty. That, there, that there's something that a degree can't give you. It can't give you peace of mind. A degree can't give you, it can't give, it can't give you spiritual growth. You may learn a vocation. You can learn a lot of things. And the power and the reality of it is that you can shape your home. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to make you, I'm going to give a challenge here to the parents. If somebody in your, in your household said, hey, let us, and, and we're, we're not a kid. Because children put us on the spot all the time. Children come up and say, hey, you know, they go to a week in Bible school, man, and they've got all this spirituality, and they come home and say, hey, can we pray together? Can we pray? Well, and everybody's like, okay, go ahead. Everybody bows their heads and, and, and they pray and, and you pray together. But what happens when an adult does it? And it's deliberate and it's intentional. You say, well, man, I don't have a home. It's just me and my house. What if you begin to shape your home as a sanctuary to meet with God and to pray this prayer? Okay, I'm going to give you like five things and I'm going to give them to you fast because it's 1215. 
and that gravy and biscuits is hanging on. Right? And your eyes are getting heavy. Notice here. Always thanking God that he's able to share with you the inheritance that belongs to a people who live in light. Now I want you to notice here. Oh, man. Now let's just go on. How to shape the home through prayer for the glory of God. Here's, here they are. Here's the first one. Pray that there is complete understanding of God's will for your life and for your lives. You know, Dad, that's how you can pray for your kids. And you know what? I think that it's good to hear Mom and Dad pray for, I think it's really good that Mom and Dad, you can hear them pray for you. You say, well, that's just, man, I, Greg, I just don't talk publicly. Matter of fact, I've had people come up to me and say, they'd say, Greg, I would come to church, but I'm afraid you're going to call on me to pray. And I promise them at that moment in time, I will never call on you to pray publicly. I'm not going to put you on the spot. Come to church because you're not going to be called on or put on the spot to pray. But on the same, on the other side of the token, what would happen if your kids heard you pray? I'm asking you, do you as a family pray? And is your home and house and your family shaped through prayer? Because this is how Paul did it. If you, wonder, if you want your children to know and understand and live life for the glory of God, let them hear you pray. I can remember, I can remember some visual pictures that I have of my, of my stepdad. And he didn't say a whole lot. He was a preacher. I would expect, you know, you'd expect I'd get sermons, man. I didn't. I, got, I just got relationship. And we hunted together and fished together and, and, uh, and, and all that. But he, he, figured out some, he figured out some stuff. But I would come in and I would see him. He'd sit in his corner in his recliner. He'd have his Bible open and he would study. And I remember when I was struggling with a calling to preach. And, I, I, you know, he didn't tell me to go in ministry. He didn't. It was only a year after my mom remarried that, that, I, that I began to, to recognize and make the spiritual connections with God's love based on the love of a stepdad. A wonderful man. And, and I remember one night we were watching Charles Stanley, which is what we always did, um, on Sunday night at 9 o'clock. And we watched him, and, and God was beginning to stir my heart about ministry. And I was like, nah, I'm going to be an accountant. Nah, I'm going to make money. Nah, I got that planned out. I mean, I took advanced accounting in high school to be an accountant. I'm going to plan on going to college and becoming an accountant. So I was, nah, I struggled. I struggled with Greg's way versus God's way. And I never will forget one night. I said, Papa, I said, I always called him Papa. I said, Papa, I said, uh, I said, uh, I'm really struggling with something. I, I, I said, and I never will forget. He slips out of his recliner or sitting on the couch. And he, was sit, he slips down. And on both knees, he gets down face to face, eyeball to eyeball. With and I'm like, he said, well, tell me about it, son. And I started telling him my struggles and my calling, what I felt like God was calling me to do. and. And and uh, he said, well, he said, and he prayed. He prayed with me. He prayed for me right then and there. He prayed right then. It wasn't anything weird. It wasn't anything that was just like, it was just like, it was a natural part of a conversation and a natural flow into the reality of life. What I want to, what I want you to see is this. God flows, God flows in our life in very natural ways. What seems weird to us is not weird spiritually. It's, it's normal, actually. So he prayed for me, and I want to tell you something. 
after I told him and, and that I felt like God was calling me, you know what I did? Immediately next Sunday morning, I got up and announced my calling. No, I didn't. I didn't speak of it again. Matter of fact, you know what happened? It relieved my conscience for a period of nine months. And I didn't speak of it again. I had an emotional release, in other words. Here's what happened. I had an emotional release because I was choosing to disobey God. And so I said, I confessed it to him, and I felt better about it, and life goes on. No, God will let you do your thing. For about nine months, I went, and this issue of joy started just kind of going, started bottoming out, and I was serving God. And God began to say, Greg, I've got a calling on your life. I've got a calling on your life. So there is complete, pray that there is complete understanding of God's will in your life. How, could you say amen to that? Man, I want to know God's will for my life. How about you? Do you? Do you know that his will is better than you can ever imagine? Here's number two. Pray that, that there is a desire to live in a way that pleases the Lord. My prayer for you young people, because you're going to be dealing with college and, and mom and dad may or may not be around. You're going to be presented with opportunity, quote-unquote opportunity everybody's into whatever and all of a sudden all of a sudden you're finding yourself wait a minute i'm, I'm going to encourage you and challenge you to listen to what the hearts of the conscience that has been informed with truth of scripture you listen to that allow that that's why i'm saying this thing with god is an essential thing it's not an optional thing especially as you navigate in this world on the time that we're living in so pray that that there is a desire that pleases the lord Mom and dad, that's how you shape your home. You hear, you hear, you you hear your dad or your mom pray. God, I just pray that um, that that you would you would create in them the desire to please you. And that's my prayer for you as pastor. Paul said he prayed that. It's evidenced by spiritual walk, spiritual fruit, and spiritual growth. I want to grow. I want to walk with the Lord. I want to bear fruit in my life. And I want to be spiritual growth. He says, "Growing in knowledge." He said, "Pray that the that pray that the family will be strengthened with endurance and patience to face adversity. You're going to deal with. It. You're going to deal with disappointment. You're going to have some disappointments in your life that are going to you're going to feel that's going to shatter you. I'm just telling you the truth. Now I hope you don't, but you're, you're, some of you already have. Some of you here have dealt with things that that have have been heart wrenching, even for young people." But, but you're going to deal with things that are disappointing in life. So you, you pray that you, you pray, you pray for yourself. That, Lord, I pray that I can have endurance and, 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 and I can have your strength to face adversity. You're, you're going to deal with it. And when you give it to God and you see God in it, you recognize that God has a purpose in it. So you pray. Here's another thing. Verse 11. Notice here in Ephesians 3. He says, I pray for his glorious unlimited resources. Yes, now finally something I can agree with, right? Right, you get it? I pray for his glorious unlimited, yes, Lord, and bring it in the form of, right? I, I, I want this one, I want, the, I want that, that uh, yeah. what is that car, Jeff, that I like? Where's Jeff at? Oh, Solstice, yes. I like that Pontiac Solstice. You know, and, and Jeff's heard my dreams and desires. And, and I'm saying, Lord, 
You own the cattle of a thousand hill, and I want that Pontiac Solstice. Amen. Right? Right? It's unlimited. He owns it, right? You got it? So that's what that's how we shape our prayers, right? Now, is that what God means? Oh, come on. <laughs> Please tell me he does. Because I'm waiting for you to vote in a in a church business meeting that I own one, right? No, no, I'm just kidding. Somebody will take that serious. No, please, please don't buy me one. Okay, please don't buy me one. I, I'm I'm satisfied with my vehicle. But the uh, think about this. The, notice the glorious. God some, got something way more glorious than a car. Unlimited resources. He will empower you with inner strength through. His Spirit. In other words, when you yield to God, and as parents, you pray this for your kids, Lord, I pray that they yield. I pray this for my kids, that Lord, I pray that they yield to you and find the inner strength to deal with the troubles. Because why don't I tell you something? You're going to deal with the issues that your mom and dad can't help you with. Only thing they can do is pray for you. Hear me. Lord, I pray that, that you give them inner strength. that you will give them inner strength that they can endure through adversity. And notice here he says, then Christ will make his, his home in your heart. As you trust in him, your roots will grow down into, into God's love. Lord, I want, you, I want them to know that you're their friend and that you're on their side and you've got their best interest in mind. And I, I, I pray that they don't see you as some sort of, um, uh, in some sort of negative way that's, that's just coming down with judgment all the time, but they would see you in relationship. I want to tell you something. I learned about the love of God not by my stepdad laying down the rules, but by building relationships. That's how I learned it. And then I learned that God has some stuff for me to live. Now, I'm, not, I'm about to close. Pray that the greatest joy is found in the Lord that is lived out with gratitude. I want to tell you something. This one right here will keep you from temptation. If you have a joy that is greater in the Lord than anything else that the world presents to you, then when temptation comes along, you say, "You listen, you can't provide what I've got in my relationship with Christ. So you pray. You pray that your children find that. You pray that your children know. You pray that Levi, you know, all, think about this. He comes, he, he's all, at three-year-old, he's recognizing what? He's recognizing that there is a connection with God, and he has, some, he has a story to tell, right? He's got a story to tell. He's got a, at three-year-old, he's got a story to tell. And yeah, he's picking up stuff, and he's he's picking up stuff, and he's, He's he's mimicking and so forth, and that's normal. But he's he's picking up stuff, and and one day, the one day it's going to sink in. It's going to sink in real, really, really deep, right? That's how you pray for your kids, Mama, right? Right? You you pray that they they find a greater notice here. Pray that they find a greater joy, and it's more than just being religious and doing... Listen, anybody can go through the motions of about anything. You can fake it. 
But notice here, this is something that is deep and it's authentic and it's real. It is the real deal stuff. He says, pray that the, that the greatest joy is found in the Lord and it's lived out with a life of thanksgiving and gratitude. Pray that the kingdom of light would dispel the darkness in their life. Hallelujah, amen. Because don't you know that when, when the closer you get to the dark, and the darkness is kind of like as a mystery, there's a mystery to it. Yeah, well, let's see, I wonder what that's about. And the, it's like a vacuum that sucks you into the darkness. But notice here, pray that the kingdom of light would rather dispel the darkness in your children's lives, in your lives of you youngins that are growing up. Because they're going to be faced with things that you had not even thought of. Not even entered your mind. Pray that the kingdom of light would dispel the kingdom of darkness. Now, I want you to stand with me. We're going to say this together. I want to ask you this morning, and I, I, I'm, this has been kind of a long service, and I realize that. and I could have easily not preached, but I want to tell you I had to. I, I had to today. I, I'm just telling you that. So I hope that the extra 15 minutes was worth it, okay? I really do, and I honestly mean that. Because these, these are so essential truths. Paul said that he was so convinced that this prayer was, such a, was not just an option, was not just a preference, but it was an essential thing. That he committed to praying for the church of Colossae and the, the, the church of Ephesians and all the believers that would come along. And I think Paul probably had me and you in mind. Why? Because he knew that there was a great and glorious God that he met on the road to Damascus that forever changed his life. That turned his course of his life and changed the way that he lived and looked at life and brought him purpose and meaning and brought him satisfaction that none, that even religion could not bring him. And I'm just saying that, that for you this morning, you say, Greg, I'm just asking you, have you kind of all out given it to God? To say, Lord, I want you to live there in the fullness of your life in me. And the fullness of your life lived out in my family. Lord, help us to shape. For some of you, I've, I've mentioned this thing about prayer, and I'm asking you if you're praying as a family, and you're not. Matter of fact, you're too busy. Life is, is, is swiftly so by, and you may, you may throw up a prayer at night and then fall to sleep. But I'm asking you, are you making prayer a deliberate part of your home? And I'm going to ask you, I want to ask somebody to break the ice in your family. You see, see the, the, the issue is not you come forward here to an altar and do it. The issue is when you, is when you go home and say, okay, Lord, I, I want to do it. You say, well, you know what, my, my wife or my husband's not a believer. They don't even they don't trust you. Then don't push stuff. But I'm just asking you to ask Jesus to, for what you can do to make your family and your home shake with prayer. Can you do that? Say amen if you can. I don't want this prayer thing to be a weird thing. You know, and it doesn't mean that you come up and you just start praying for people, you know, sporadically or something like that. But it, it means that in the life flow of conversation, in real life stuff, that you can, that you can take things to God in prayer. And it's not weird when you pray. Why? Because God's already on the scene. And Paul said he became so advanced, convinced of it, that, that this was a mighty power at work in him and at work in the life of these churches and work in the lives of his people. He said this, so this is going to be our real conclusion. Okay, this is it. We're going to say this verse and we're going to walk out these doors. We're going to say this, this verse together and then we're going to go out and we're going to live our life and you're going to be doing stuff. But I want you to notice that who's going to be with you. 
We're going to say this verse and you're going to have to deal with the things in life that you deal with, but know that there's a power at work in you that greater than anything that's, that you feel like is working against you. Why? Because I'm convinced. And you got to say, yes, I'm convinced His Word is true. His Word is right. His Word is holy. And our God is bigger than anything that we can ask or think. This is actually my favorite Bible verse. This is the fav- my all- of all-time favorite Bible verses. So, Lord, you know about the exam I've got. You know about this finals. You know that graduation. You know that I've got to pick a college. You know that I've got all kinds of things that are pressing in on me. God, you know the reality of my life and what I'm dealing with. Oh, God, help me. Have you ever prayed those help me prayers? Oh, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. For some of you here, it may be that you're kind of wallowing in your own sin. You're thinking, you know, you're in church. You've wandered in church today. and You're like, oh, man. You know, this thing about being in a relationship with God is, is really hit me and I need to trust Him today. Then do it today. You need to do it today. But whatever you're dealing with, know this. Notice this. Say now. Saul, come on, say it now. Now. This is what Paul said to the, to the Ephesians. He says, now all glory to God who is through His at work within us, infinitely, say infinitely, more than we ask or think to Him in the church and through for and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever Endeavor to all generations. Forever endeavor, endeavor, and the church, let the church say, Glory, honor, power belong to Jesus for his glory. Amen. Go in peace.